Move along, fool! This is Tall Can Audio. Welcome inside the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. As we navigate an odd long weekend. I know some of you people had Friday, some of you people had Monday, some of you people... Get nothing at all, and uh, and I apologize for that. My name is Matt Robinson. Rob Christie across the table. What's happening, man? I have nothing. Okay, I'm working. Uh, well, I'm working right now. As you, the good listener, are listening to this, I am also working yep. hard. Yeah, or I, working, working hard, man. <laughs> okay. Working hard What's for the, the good, you know, citizens of Ottawa. Uh, I I'm taking it in lieu. Okay. That's how it works because the holiday you can punt it down the road, exactly. add it on to a different weekend. As long as I do it within three months. Okay. So that August long weekend is going to be four or five days long, something well, like that. Well, I think similar to last year, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to maybe take four or five, maybe six long weekends throughout the summertime. Yeah. Just, I, I, last summer, what was it? I, I think you took every Friday in August or something like every that. Every Monday, Tuesday. Okay. Wow. For July and August and in, <laughs> okay. into the, into the long weekend in September. We do have one listener, his, na- uh, his Twitter handle escapes me, who, uh, who gives me the thumbs up every time that I refer to you as a, as a municipal seat warmer or seat moistener. Seat moistener. He's obviously a municipal seat moistener or a federal seat moistener. He knows I've stolen it from the Simpsons. For the uh, first okay. three or four seasons, every time Mr. Burns asks, who is that? When Homer Simpson's fucked up, Smithers always answers, oh, that's one of the carbon blobs in <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's Homer Simpson. Okay. And one of them is uh, one of the seat moisteners in Sector 7G. So. Okay. Well, you know what? Hmm. Who is that Smithers? Homer Simpson, sir. One of the fork and spoon operators from Sector 7G. What's the name of this gastropod? Simpson, sir. One of your chair moisteners from Sector 7G. Who is he anyway? Uh, Homer Simpson, sir. One of your organ banks from Sector 7G. Why is that man in pink? Oh, that's Homer Simpson, sir. He's one of your boobs from Sector 7G. Good God. Who's the safety inspector there? Homer Simpson, sir. Simpson, eh? Good man, intelligent? Actually, sir, he was hired under Project Bootstrap. Thank you, President Ford. Smithers, who was that corpse? Homer Simpson, sir. One of the finest, bravest men ever to grace Sector 7G. <laughs> I'll cross him off the list. Guilty as charged. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I, I got to tell you, man, uh, it, it's been kind of a wild weekend. I thought the uh, the Canada Day celebrations would be toned down a little, but over here, you know how I feel about the fireworks thing. This is a thing every year. Uh, hit it till about 12.30, 12.45 in the morning. Fireworks still going off in the area. Uh, maybe some of it late because throughout the day, well, actually, I should say on, on Saturday night, Canada Day, I was really counting on ordering in dinner. That was always the plan, right? Had nothing prepared, had nothing out of the freezer, whatever. <laughs> could, could always had some of the Jane's, uh, Jane's chicken, but. Instead you opted for the. So I wanted to order in. I, I yeah, some, some kernel. That's what I was feeling, yeah, right? Yeah, I get it. His face still grinning out of yeah, the beer I, fridge I, at I, you today. Sure, man, you I pulled open the door. Yeah. Hey, good day, Harlan. So I'm, I'm sitting there at about five o'clock, five thirty, starting to think about putting together the, and it is just pouring. We're in the middle of a horrible thunderstorm. Yeah. Get your arc ready, Matt. And. We're under a severe thunderstorm warning. We're under a tornado watch. Yeah. And we are still under, you know, one of those smoke-related air quality advisories. 
And I felt a little guilty, like I was sending some guy to his death to bring me some soggy chicken. You don't think your two dollar and seventy five cent delivery charge or whatever is going to cut? Do my dinner. So after all that, like I'm guilty, but I'm also I'm, I'm still hungry. <laughs> like, the, that I think I'm a good person because it crossed my mind that this was a terrible thing to do to somebody, but I still did it. Right? So like, you, bump, I, you bump up the tip, Matt. You, that's what you do for sure. You bump it up and you say thanks. And later on, I assume Uber. After they find this guy's, you know, smoke suffocated, lightning struck body in a flooded ditch somewhere, they'll we'll, make him whole. We'll send that seven dollar <laughs> tip to his family, right? That's. Uh, <laughs> but how was the chicken, Matt? Uh, it was pretty disappointing, honestly. Okay. <laughs> It always it, is. Because it had been in the back while he makes two other deliveries in between Probably, where you are. Yeah. God damn you, I hate that. <laughs> so, uh, look, a bunch of stuff we're going to talk about here today. Uh, God bless you, delivery dude. I hope you survived. You are necessary. Your sacrifice did you. not go unrecognized. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I did give you a low rating because the chicken was not <laughs> right. as crisp it was as I was soggy. hoping. Exactly. So uh, disappointing there. You've brought beers for us today, man. What are we going with here? You know what? I didn't want you to feel like your birthday's so far feel in the past like, yeah, I'm that, okay that nobody cares. And <laughs> and I, I know it can be, uh, you know, the highs and everyone loves me. Lunch bag letdown afterwards. Everybody loves me. Hey, now nobody will like go. <laughs> it's nobody. Yeah. Crickets. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Back to the regular, the huge. That's it, man. So I thought, you know what? Nobody I'm going to share with my good friend, Matt. Yeah. Because I care. Yeah. I know and, this and that is That is my go-to. Mm-hmm. And really, I had a couple of these. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> but this was with you in mind. Okay. So uh, I'm going back to Prince Eddie's. Mm, nice. Yeah. Prince Edward County. So this is called Flavor Country. Welcome to Flavor Country. Yep. I think somewhere uh, Guy Fieri is sort of saying, <laughs> you fuckers ripping off my <laughs> handle. I know that's Flavor Town, but yep. yeah, no. So this is a smoked lager. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So your, uh, your regular lager with uh, smoked mm-hmm. malt. Okay. So that is what's happening here. So I know you love anything really that feels like it's been run through a campfire. Now, maybe that's taken a hit. <laughs> Lately, when since the, all whole, the whole city's been run through the a campfire. The ever-present <laughs> campfire that seems to be going on. But yes. this is a smoked lager. Now, I am intrigued by that. And everything you've done to tee that up has me uh, has me pretty excited here, as you know. Like, uh, and you don't see a lot of smoked loggers. It's always something darker, correct? Right? Smoked porter, smoked yep. stout, stuff like that. So, I am intrigued by this Prince Eddie's. Uh, you know, we've talked about it on the the show before. Um, that that area down Prince Edward County for quite a while was sort of known secondarily behind Niagara as wine country. Yep. Right. There was a bunch of wineries that had popped up. And all of a sudden, it kind of just became this hotbed for for breweries too. And there's a few of them down there now, and uh, almost always awesome. So I'm going to give this a poll, man. Uh, I don't know if you've already had a chance to to give it a shot there. Uh, what do you think? I'm not I'm not going to pile a smoke, which is good for me. Right. I'll, I'll be interested. Okay, I, I, see, I I was I'm hoping getting it, but not not strong. Right. You said, but you do right off the hop on my first sip there. I do. I see the attempt. Right. I see. I it, yep. it is there. See, I've had a couple, and I can't remember. I brought you over a couple. The one that tasted like, honestly, like ash from a from yes. a campfire. Like literally was scooped out of yeah. last night's fire yeah. and dumped in the... And put in my hat <laughs> that was also sitting by the campfire. Yes. And then somebody ran a beer I'm through it. with that, man. Yeah, no. And, and so to me, I am not. Yeah. Whereas it is subtle, right? Yes, I w- it I is. Would say. Yep. And I was hoping for 
with most things, right? Like, you know, when you, when you have whatever it is, you crack it and you get that, I always say, and it makes me feel like a douche, but the bouquet, right? (laughs) Like the sort of the, (laughs) the nose of it, right? Is, is whatever the cherry or Mm -hmm. the vanilla, whatever you get, right? Is, is usually in that. Yeah. You get it a lot with, um, your New England style IPAs, right? Mm -hmm. Where it says, citrus packed with juicy flavor and you're like, okay, I'm getting that, but I'm right. really just getting a little hoppiness on the other end. I'm, I'm not getting the, the juiciness. Mm-hmm. So now the, the one from Bose, the juicy as fuck. <laughs> the ju- juicy AF. Juicy yeah. AF. You guys can figure out what that means. <laughs> um, juicy and friendly. Yeah. And this is it. <laughs> and functional. Right. Um, it was juicy, wasn't hoppy. And at the end I probably didn't love it, but. So to me, this is not bad. Lager, 5%. Mm-hmm. Small can. Small can. Yeah. Rob is on, uh, I got to head from here out to a family function about 40 minutes away. So. Right. I'm all about the small Maintain. can today. Yeah. Bladder control. <laughs> no, that's not exactly. But you understand what I'm saying. But right up front, you do get, like you said, it's a little more subtle and that's always been the difference. Or, I don't know if it's a difference, but I've always said, bring it strong, right? But at least here I'm getting it. Yep. Right. And and so, yeah, on, on a lager, maybe you don't want it quite as strong. You're, right. A lager is the every man's beer, right? Yep. Like in, I was last Thursday, Friday night, something like that, talking to somebody and I didn't know a better way to describe it. I just, you know, was struggling for a word. I was talking about this IPA and I said, you know, it's, it's more of an entry level beer. And my sister's sitting beside me. She's like, You're such a douche. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a condescending thing to say. And I get it. It would come off that way, but it was more of <laughs> now, nah, whatever. I love it. Just let it hang. It, it if you're not feeling all of the craziness that some people put into a, an IPA or a stout or yeah. whatever, I didn't mean, well, I guess I did, but entry level as in it's fine, right? Like you, this won't blow you no away. It, it, that's it. And so, but yeah, it, it definitely came off pretty douchey. So yeah. Well, so I'm at a place, see, and it's fine if you are a wine drinker, mm-hmm. people accept that. Right. They're like you're a douche already. We know that. Right. <laughs> You know, with your, you know, your tweed jacket with the, your you know, oaky afterbirth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mahogany mm-hmm. shelves afterbirth. full of leather bound books. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this wine tastes like wood chips and lilacs. Yeah. You're like, get the fuck out yeah. of here. What does that taste like? I don't want it. Well, and it's funny because we were at a, we were at Wooden a. Wooden flowers. Thanks. Yeah, no. We were at a, we were at a, at a, there was a bit of a social get together there. I don't want to call it a party. It was not, you know, it was a dinner with some. I know I was on snap map yeah. and wasn't invited. <laughs> and I wasn't, well, <laughs> hey, I wish I wasn't invited either. <laughs> anyway, somebody's after it sort of devolved and somebody's like, yeah, well that tastes like ass. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, yeah, this is the last time you had ass. This is a sophisticated portion of the evening. Yeah, well, this was a 19 year old. So <laughs> okay. it, was, it was one of the, one of the kids. Yeah. And, and they're like, wow. You don't understand what I mean. And I'm like, yeah, I understand, but do better, right? This tastes like what I imagine ass would taste like. Sure. My dad's favorite phrase is always, this tastes like the north end of a southbound mule. (laughs) Yes. Okay, see, there you go. It takes just a half second. You go, yeah, okay, got it. (laughs) Not good. Yep. So, and that's a hard working mule too. For sure. It's been out there heading south for a while. Lots of swass. Yeah. Uh, I want to let the good listener know we did, uh, you know, 
I was going to apologize, but instead I'll, I'll just acknowledge that last week was kind of quiet around the podcast, laid low a little bit, but over the weekend, uh, I know a lot of y'all were out doing your own Canada Day thing. Maddie Lang and I threw down a podcast after uh, the Houston Rockets took Fred Van Vliet away from the uh, the Toronto Raptors, kind of officially ending that, you know, that core that won them a championship back in 2019. Uh, talked all about what that means for the Raptors, what the Rockets think they're going to be doing here, and actually... Some chatter towards the end about a few different reports that Nick Nurse now stepping away from the Canadian national team after being dismissed from the Raptors. Yeah, that there was some Canadian players that maybe were now ready to re-engage with the national team, which was interesting because I, as sort of an outsider, you know, had sort of thought Nick Nurse pretty well regarded, right? And and Maddie sort of explained, and, and I would encourage you to go back at talkinaudio.com or wherever you're listening right now. He had a better handle on this. This idea, though, that Nick Nurse is a details guy. He's a bit of a grinder. And when you're showing up in the summer to play for your country, maybe you're not looking to be quite so, you know, gr- I, I've flown to the Philippines here. I don't need some guy just grinding on me constantly. A- anyway, there was a bit of, <laughs> don't need some guy gr- grinding on me constantly. Is he dressed? That's, yeah, it's, a, it's an important It's detail. a dry hump more than anything so else. So <laughs> all of this, anyway, on that episode of, uh, that was TCA episode 1135, uh, Fred Van Fleet. And you know what? Good for that guy, man. When he came in in 2016, undrafted, was making $543,000 for the season. By 2020, he signs an extension with the Raptors worth $21 million a year, made him the most highly paid undrafted player in league history. And here we are in 2023. He's now making $43 million a year or one of his first year contracts every game. So good for that fucking guy, man. Uh, Lots more. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, Lots more about all of that on episode 1135 with Maddie Lang. If you missed it over the weekend, go back and and check it out. Rockford, Illinois' finest, I believe. That's right. So, uh, Freddie Van Vliet, moving on. Um, well, he owes he owes Toronto. I think he's he's sort of paid that off, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying. But that to me, he was like a D league guy, was he not? Like he was undrafted yeah, undrafted and worked his way through. Yeah, came up making what feels like had to be less than league minimum in the NBA, right? At five forty three. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, next deal, twenty-one million. Deal after that, forty-three million. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> well, and and all the all the lament about NHL free agent frenzy, yeah. which we'll get to. Yep. Um, you know when you're talking about numbers around X number of contracts signed for six hundred and forty million dollars <laughs> since the NBA free agency opened last Friday, like a week ago, Friday. No, no, just opened on Thursday night. So this, yeah, Fr- this past Friday, Friday night, yeah, yeah. $1.8 billion. That's a lot of money, eh? <laughs> wow. And, and, and you're, working, you're working with half the contracts or yep. whatever it is, right? And you're just like, yeah, if, right. If you're an NHL star, you got to be looking around. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's seventh man off the bench making more than a second liner in Winnipeg or... Oof. Sorry, Winnipeg. <laughs> You've had a rough weekend. Yeah. But it's just the, the, the money is obscene. Yep. Like when we get to a point where players are owners or whatever it is, or part owners in a bunch of different things, yeah, it's crazy, right? The amount of cash that gets thrown around well, now. We've talked about it before on the show, right? Back in, in 94, Rob, all the way back in 1994, the Rangers have just won the Stanley Cup and the NBA is not 
doing all that well. And Sports Illustrated puts out this article, this well-researched column. I'm sure you remember it. That was, you know, the NBA or the NBA ready to be overtaken by the NHL. The NHL's cool right now, and you know, Gretzky the, in LA, right? The Rangers, right? Your biggest market just won the cup, and then the NHL immediately goes into one, uh, Gary's first lockout. And that was the end of it. Like the NBA since then, like the NHL has not been within reach of the NBA at any point since then. No. And, uh, but if you look at the contracts in the nineties, which is what. God, what, I love the nineties. Which is what the TPC was trying to rein in, right? You had guys making like 25 years ago, guys were making nine, 10 million bucks before they rolled everything back. Yeah. I remember in, uh. In 2000, 2001, and I was going to get to this maybe a little later in the free agency talk, but it applies here, right? Like I remember Matt Sundin getting a new contract, and I think it paid him $9 million yeah. even. And at the time, I believe briefly, it made him the highest paid player in the NHL. And you can easily look around and go, well, you know, there were better players, that you know, with Yogers, you better, know, yeah. exactly. But it was an interesting debate at the table, and then you were just sort of like, but who cares, right? It's not my money, yeah, and it's not really affecting anything. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, my team could sign 10 more of those guys, and it's not going to affect anything because there is no cap. Right. Like, you would briefly go, oh, come on, Matt Sundin, 9 million, and then you just get over it and move on. Now, with the cap, everyone knows what everyone's worth, and you don't necessarily judge these players on what they're doing. You judge them based on that percentage of the cap and, you know, Matt Sundin signs $9 million in that world under, you know, a salary cap. It does matter For now, sure right? And and all of us know that and you can't do this anymore and you can't do that anymore. You can't go get that guy. And so it's it's just strange how I do remember very strongly the arguments over Matt Sundin getting that contract for a few days and then it just being like, but really, who cares? <laughs> and you move on. Yeah. And then they have that 0405 lockout. And I remember the PA, they thought, you know, as a, as a, this will solve things. We will promise, we will roll back every single contract 24% and we can just carry on from there. And the league went, thank you. Put that in our back pockets. We still want the cap, but now we're taking the cap and the 24% rollback. Yeah. Maybe the biggest misstep in, uh, in Bob Goodenow's, you know, entire, yeah. uh, yeah, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too, or maybe you can. If Give you're, it a shot. <laughs> if, 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 if you're the Batman. Yeah. And so when you look at franchise values and, and everything else, and the owners are richer than ever. Mm-hmm. And yet, I think in many ways, the athletes are just getting... Now, there's more $8 million and $9 million players now than there were in the 90s. Yeah. But the cap and the hold that that's put on your McDavid's McKinnon's, Matthews, whoever, Dry's Idols, whatever mm-hmm. those are, right, has been really damaged. That's everybody in that sort of still upper, yep. upper, middle, lower, top tier, right? They're all still getting paid. So crushing the middle class. Yeah, of course. And and you sort of look at last week, they confirmed what had been suspected for a while. The cap was only going to go up for that $1 million. So it's going to be 83 and a half, I believe, yep. next year. And in that final year before the lockout, the Red Wings are at a $91 million salary cap. Yeah. The Leafs that are at, are at around 80, 85. The Rangers, remember the Rangers. We're over 100. 
I don't remember if they were over 100. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. But like they signed everyone and still stunk, right? Theo Fleury went there. Pavel Bure went yeah. there. Like they, they just kept signing everybody and it did not work. Uh, I remember Valerie Kamensky getting a huge deal to leave Colorado yeah. for the Rangers. How about Bobby Holik? And we're not even back there yet. Yes, Bobby Holik. I think that was in the cap era, though. I think that happened afterwards. I don't know, he signed for that $9 million contract yes. and leaving New Jersey, and then you're like, fuck, that guy's $3 million outside of Lou's system. Yes. And so all of that, I, I, it's, it's interesting to think that we're just starting to get back to yeah. that era. Now, at the time... There were other teams. The Carolina Hurricanes had like a $27 million, uh, uh, you know, payroll yeah, or payroll, whatever. Yeah. So everything was... They were the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. So anyway, we should get into a few different things. Free agency has happened since we last chatted. The draft has happened since we last chatted. Oh, the draft. A few different... Like, it feels like forever ago, but honestly, there was only like 48 hours in between yeah, the draft yeah, and free agency. Um I guess let's start with the draft and sort of the moves that happened just beforehand. Um, I remember saying to you last week, and even I couldn't at that moment have believed how how correct I was going to be, Rob, that they say every year, oh, this year on the draft floor, it's going to be insane. And nothing happens, right? But it all comes from the people carrying the draft, right? Make sure you watch this. Make sure you click on my... 32 opinions or however that may shake loose. Yeah. Make sure you click on my articles, the athletic, like everyone has a vested interest in making sure you believe this is cannot miss, right? You have to click our links. You have to watch our show. And there was some moves in the day or so leading up to the draft, but the first time in years, no trades happened during the first round. Not even I'm going to move back from 14 to 17 or whatever. Nothing happened during first time the draft. since 07 yes incredible man yeah and and it, it becomes tiring as somebody who's old when a lot of things are tiring yeah <laughs> I, i've been through a pile of these things right when you go you know in this case it's we'll use the debranket situation you yeah oh pressure's on between now and the draft this yeah. is the best time this yeah. is the best time <laughs> then you're like oh that didn't happen but then you flip immediately to before July 1st. It's got to be before July 1st, right? This is when you don't want this to stretch. And then you're like, okay, now training camp is that our first. It's, just, it's like, you're like, fuck. And the training camp comes and you're like, oh, then, you know, it's the, the, the trade deadline. You yeah. don't want to be your, you know, it's going to be a self-rental. And you're like, holy fuck. It just, it's, as you suggest, it's always, okay, that's past. It's like the guy who predicts the world's going to end on Sunday. Yeah. I meant next Sunday. Oh, that's Sunday. I meant a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it'll it, be it, on a It just sort of goes and goes. And you're like, yeah, right. Sorry, I was wrong. And here. idiots like you and me, like, well, fuck. I better be there then, right? Like this Sunday, next Sunday, whatever Sunday, every Sunday, I'll, I'll be watching for the end of the world. And but I did. Maybe enjoy, praying for it. <laughs> I did enjoy the draft. Okay. Uh, now, I watched. Uh, next, by the time I texted you, you had turned it off. So <laughs> I got to 16. Okay. I made it to, to pick 16 halfway through. You're getting into guys. I don't know. Teams I don't care about, <laughs> right? Like, like you're in that real creamy middle, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and you're just like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I wanted to see the, you know, where the intrigue was. The top five was interesting. Yeah. Who, how's that going to slot out? Who's going to bite on Mitchkov? How's that top three? Right. We all knew Bedard was first, but then would it be Leo Carlson or Adam Fantilli? You know, all of that stuff at the top end. I traded a couple of texts with our buddy there, JR, over at TSN 1200 and just nothing interesting happened after pick seven. Like 
that right. was as soon as Mitchkov went. As soon as Mitchkov went, that was it. Everybody just kept their pick, made a. See, and I think San Jose and Montreal are going to regret. Well, so I, I, while we're here, let's touch on Montreal at the draft because I know people have opinions on that. I certainly do. Um, Any opinions on Carey Price? Yeah. Do you think? And I, I felt a little bad for him. Yeah. But, I, but do you think? Like it was so secret that they didn't tell him at the table and give him a card and like to, or like, did they walk all the way up there, whisper in his ear, David Ryan Parker, and he got David and then every David in the arena was like, me, is it me? (laughs) Yeah, it's David. (laughs) And then Kent Hughes made it almost worth it. We meant to do that. It's David. You're like, oh God, this, and and so when. When Ken we Hughes shine a spotlight right. a little brighter and on my face. And when Ken Hughes says David Reinbacher, Price rips up. Reinbacher. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. The whole thing was so cringe, man. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's it's. When do you think they told Price the name? Oh, I think he. I think he. They told him in well in advance. I he, think, and he just blanked. I think he just blanked. I Which think, could happen to any of us, right? I think he's. I, I. I don't know if this is related to anything that he's struggling with. Right. In terms of some anxiety or, and he got up there and he gave his, uh. Go rogue, man. Bonsoir. If I'm Carrie Price, I'm just going, Matt V. Mitchkoff and running off the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Like like the Oscars and you're like, and the winner is Moonlight. (laughs) Right. And you're like, oh, wait. No. It's final. It's (laughs) in La La Land. And you're like, oh, fuck. Sorry, Mitchkoff. You're out. It's actually. David Reinbacher. Yeah. And so the, the the thing I, in my opinion on that pick is you have to be pretty, because David Reinbacher, by all accounts, and what the fuck do I know about Austrian defensemen and who are 18 years old, right? Yep. It's not much. That's it, actually. We, we that, I know that guy and his yeah. name. That's what I know. Um, I believe, based on everything I've read, he'll be a perfectly serviceable defenseman, maybe a two, three guy. Like he'll, he'll be fine. But to avoid Mitchkov and not take that swing means you are confident that Caulfield and Suzuki is your high end for the next. Like you didn't take a high sweeling, uh, high sweeling. You didn't take a high ceiling swing here. You took a a pretty safe pick here. And I do again. I think Reinbacher will be fine, but you could have added a guy who potentially could be the next. I don't know what comparison you'd want to make. Like, he doesn't feel like an Ovechkin. What if More he's a like Tarasenko a, or a Panarin? A, a, the, the name Panarin is a closer one. Like, even a Bure, right? Like, that type of skill. Bure was the name I used. I don't know if he has the speed. but No, but, but that type of skill yeah. and playmaking and whatever that would elevate the Hab ceiling because I'm not convinced they have enough high end, right, that takes you over the top. And he could be that, whereas David Reinbacher is a perfectly reasonable choice. He fits in kind of middle of your defense, most likely as he tops out, he'll help you. But I don't know that right now, this young core that the Habs have is enough to turn you into a, you know, a long-term contender. He's not a a Stutzla or a, or a Matthews or what Mitchkov might be. You only have, and you only have Mike Hoffman for one more year. Right. So, uh, for better or worse. the Hoff, the Hoff is yeah. only good for so much longer. Right. So when you're looking at a guy and again, right shot, big right shot yep. D, 
but he'll be good. It, as you suggest, if he if he fits into that three four, a middle pairing defenseman. Let's just say that. Sure. Big size. They say he may play in the league this year. I don't think so. I wouldn't rush a defenseman like well, that. Certainly a European one. Give him a little time to grow. Right. So a guy we crapped on on this on this show, <laughs> Mo Sider. Yeah. You know, it, people thought, well, that's a super reach. At five, I think Detroit took him at five when most had him in the 20s. That's right. And you and I laughed. Tee Yeah. And whether he took a year still in Germany or he came over in Grand Rapids or wherever the uh, the Detroit farm team is, yeah. that guy, pretty good. Yep. But if if he's, and I don't think he's going to be Mo Sider, because no. few are. Few are. You're still talking years before this Reinbacher becomes an impactful player yep. in your lineup. Yep. And so you are you don't want to wait three years. For Mitchkov. For Mitchkov to come over and be a much more ready-made player with, like a, that with guy's a high gonna, offensive ceiling. In three years, that guy's going to be plug and play, right? Like drop him in and he's off to the races, I would assume. Well, uh, very much like Kirill Kaprizov, right? A yeah. couple years in the KHL, you wait a little longer than you wanted to. But once you drop him in, that guy's fucking good to go. So nobody's seen him really since the U18s in Dallas, yeah. right? They're, you know, sort of your Russian scouts or whatever you see on TV. Yeah. But if that U18 tournament is your last impression. He was MVP. He was MVP, <laughs> scored the most goals. Ahead and, of Bedard. And the same age. Yeah. And you're like, whether you think Bedard has bloomed, blossomed, exploded since then, and he has. Mm-hmm. You're looking at a guy who is, at worst, the second most talented player in that draft. Yep. Like, at worst. Yeah. And and you have passed him by, and I put San Jose in this category as well. They you have time. Prince. You have time yep. to wait on this. There is no rush. And since when do we go, Philly got it right? Yeah, that's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you go, Jonesy. That guy got it, and him and Briere. Look at yeah. those guys. Yeah. Smart as fuck. Oof. Yep. It's uncomfortable talk, man. That's Branford, man. <laughs> Coming through right there. Yeah. I, I just, as you look at the future of what the Habs are building, I think it's pretty clear. They have a pretty good system. They got some pieces coming. But do they have that game-breaking top end? Because Nick Suzuki, at best, and this is going to sound odd, at best is Patrice Bergeron. I don't think he's going to get there, but Patrice Bergeron, while elite, needs a David Pasternak, right? Or a Brad Marchand or yeah. somebody to cash that shit in. And, and maybe that's Caulfield. But what after that is the top end? Like, I just think with where they're at and how they're built right now, I'd have done the Mitchkov thing and just trusted that I could find a second pair defenseman somewhere else. So right? let's just say, yeah, let's just say that you. You 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 just you looked at it and you went I I think I think Suzuki and Caulfield have more to go like the, the, there's still more room to grow for sure. Do you ever say to yourself I got too much high end talent? Right, I'm, I'm not taking that guy because I'm full. Sorry, man. The, <laughs> we the, are too elite. Yeah, here. <laughs> the inn is full, man. Right. Keep moving. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. says I, I I can't take another elite talent. Yeah, especially on an entry level deal. Can't do it. No, nope. couldn't move possibly. along, yeah. fool. <laughs> Like I, I don't it, to me and and, yeah. and so like I said I don't want to just crap on the Habs. No, again I think Reinbacker is fine. Yeah, in that spot, but I think that's a team that had an opportunity to swing for Mitchkov. 
right? They're not just one or two years away from being ready to contend anyway. And as you've suggested, Reinbacher needs at least one and maybe like one year somewhere else. And then that second year, that rookie year is going to be rough. It always is for a, a young defenseman. Yeah. And now you've basically run right up against what you were going to have to wait for Mitchkov anyway. So to me, you know, I didn't, I guess there was some surprise when Anaheim at number two took Carlson instead of Fentilli, but not shock, right? There was some, some people who had said that might be a reasonable swap. Columbus gets uh, Fentilli at number three. Yeah. And after that is where it starts to get really interesting. Who's going to finally take that swing on Mitchkov? And he made it all the way to seven before... Uh, before Philly took the the swing at him. Uh, I do want to say Fentilli in Columbus. I don't know. There's They thought they were good last year, and they still ended up here. And I think they're Injuries. pieces. Yeah. And then they've added uh, Damon Severson, right? Yep. They've added Provorov for whatever you think of him, and they unveiled Babcock here uh, over the weekend. They're building something there, right? Like Kent Johnston's going to be good. Uh, you already have Goudreau and Line A. I, I don't know. I think Sillinger. I th- yeah, and I think it could be fun to watch Kent Johnson and Adam Fentilli grow together for yeah. ten years or so here. Uh, I guess less fun will be Babcock scratching Fentilli in his first trip back to Toronto just because he can. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that shakes loose, but you know these are. I don't know. Just looking at the draft, Ottawa didn't have a pick. We'll touch quickly on Toronto's. Felt like a reach to just about everybody, right? At 28, they took a guy that... The guy was in the warm-up arena next door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, most people seem to have him anywhere from 70 through 90. Yeah. Toronto took him at 28. Uh, The I think Craig Button had him at 26. So if you really (laughs) believe in Craig Button, then great pick. Uh... There was other people who had him closer to like 109. There's no question this was a reach. If the Leafs really believed that this guy was this good, they don't have another pick till the fifth round. So you have to do it now. But when you're reaching 20, 30, 40 picks ahead of where the consensus is, man, you better be right. And this is a, this is a project, right? This is a small guy, um, which they have enough of. Um, Can you ever have enough? Yeah, well, I guess had some injury issues, got better and better and better as his draft year went on, which is when you want to excel, had a great playoffs for the Knights. All these things, if you want to look on the bright side, but there's no way around the fact that you circle back and go, they took someone like 35, 40 slots ahead of where they needed to, right? You could have, and it did look like at the time they were making, they were on the phone with a few different, there was a few phones to ears. Yeah, It looked like they were trying to trade Trade back, back, but nobody was trading back, right? I wonder if that, is done, right? That little trick that a lot of teams were taking advantage of uh, will trade back five spots and take your sixth round pick or whatever. Like nobody was able to do that this year. So maybe they tried, but well, and maybe it, the kid would be fine, but man, it's a reach. It's yeah. a reach. Well, the kid was like, and I can't remember his name. You remember his name? Yeah. Easton Cowan. Great name. Great name. Um, Sounds like a boxer, maybe. He will not be able to wear the Cowan jerseys left over in the Leafs dressing room from the last Cowan they had, who was about 6'10", or whatever the hell he was. Yeah, he was 6'6". He was a big dude. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he skates better than that guy. You'd like to think. Um, And besides, I think those are mostly Marley's jerseys. (laughs) Uh, So he should be fine. Jared Cowan era in Toronto was was short. (laughs) Um, 
It was interesting just to, because he was like, um, not only was he far away, he was like Costanza at the US Open, right? And the camera pans to him and he's <laughs> got the Sunday and there's ice cream <laughs> on, his, on his face. Like, what? Me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's wiping it away. He's sitting on the other side. The cameras aren't pointing yeah. at him because he's not expecting to go till midway through day two. Yeah. But also interesting, if I can just double back to the Russian thing mm-hmm. and, and, and somebody else who's probably going to regret that is, is you look at Arizona. Simashev, I believe, was there. Uh, Two Russian players. Yeah. But that first one, you go. That was a reach. Yeah, it's a reach. And and I love, and I don't know who the third guy was. Fletcher, it was Amber, it was. I don't know it? who the hell that guy was either, but it was a terrible presentation of the draft. Well, the guy kept calling him. He's like, it's like he's a, he's like a 15-year-old double-A player. He's like, hey, Fletchy, Fletchy. Everybody, <laughs> everybody was like. Yeah. But the best thing was he's like, hmm. That's a reach. Like, and that was the best part, right? Was yeah. he's the guy on the panel who, instead of saying, "Well, I like the, I like the grit and I like the potential," yeah, trying to paint it for you, right? It was trying just the crickets were like, and he's yeah. like, well, "I think nope. that's a yeah. guy you could have got later, much later." And and so it's curious as to they also to to lump them in. You also you still took a Russian, yeah, with a lower ceiling, and it's it's called it's I'm it's I'm confused by it. Yep. No, uh, I want to talk a little bit what Chicago did around the draft as they're doing uh, seemingly what a lot of teams do. I, I think back, I don't know how much you remember about this, but before that Crosby debut in Pittsburgh, right? We'd had that lockout season. Yep. They draft him in August. And then they, once the CBA is signed, they immediately start trying to beef up around him. Not just with like face bump, but like remember Ziggy Palfi played half a year there. Mario Lemieux decides yeah. he's coming out over time. John LeClaire yeah, is he, there briefly. Like they really went hard at getting some veterans in around uh, Crosby and, and obviously Lemieux being the biggest one. Chicago goes ahead and obviously takes Bedard at number one. But throughout the week, they had already taken on Taylor Hall from Boston and Nick Felino. Nick Felino. Um Taylor Hall, I believe he's making six million yep. for a couple more Two years. More years yep. And they bring in Nick Felino as part of that. They sign him to an extension because he was going to be UFA. Uh, he's going to make $4 million this year. And one of the things, maybe before we go any further on that, is that like Chicago didn't weaponize that very well. Like they didn't make Boston, Boston needed to clear space and they didn't yeah. make them really pay to do that. They just took on $10 million of of salary. Uh, a few days later or a few hours later, I can't remember, man. It was like <laughs> yeah, yeah. crazy week. Corey Perry. They give up a seventh round pick to bring in Corey Perry, a sixth round pick to bring in Corey Perry from Tampa, who again was going to be a UFA. They give Corey Perry $4 million. And again, I know Chicago's trying to get to the floor, but if you knew you were going to give Corey Perry $4 million, you did not need to trade for his rights first. Because nobody else is battling you you for that. That's right. On July 1st, Everyone else, you know, I'd give you a million. I'll give you eight fifty. I'll give you one point two. You blow in there with your four million. Four million <laughs> sold, right? So that was odd to me. But what is interesting to me is it seems like they're not planning on trading either of those guys, right? Like Corey Perry is a guy that you'd think on a team like Chicago, who's going to be bad again this year, you'd want to have so you can flip at the deadline. No one's. Taking that at four at million. four million yeah. now somebody's got to pay a third party. 5, to hold, yeah. yeah, fuck. Like, so they're obviously planning to keep those guys. I would think. What did you make of what Chicago did last week to surround Bedard? Yeah, they overpaid. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I I like the well. First of all, I was surprised 
that Perry, who has clearly been looking for another cup, yeah, right, as he moves his way around. He's played in every cup. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess this year was. Uh, yeah, this was the one year Tampa, that Montreal, Dallas, Dallas the three years yeah. previous, <laughs> played in every cup final. And so he was like the. Um, I forget his name escapes me. Uh, I'm surprised. Okay. That they uh, the, the, the Tampa Bay guy who won in St. Louis. Oh. Maroon. Maroon. Fat Maroon. maroon. Yes. <laughs> what a maroon. Um, yeah. He's like the anti-maroon who yes. just sort of seemed, <laughs> yes. to, seemed to win three in Pat a row. Fat Maroon keeps moving around yeah, and winning. winning and then Perry and moves Perry around and, and loses. And just loses in the final, right? Um, so I guess we know Chicago not winning the cup this but year. But going to the cup. Yeah. Oh, or near. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do <laughs> like in terms of, of the guys around him, not so much Taylor Hall, but... That's the one you got beef with, eh? Well, that guy's quite used to playing with number one overall. Picks. Well, and, and so that, that when somebody said that, you're like, yeah. Not only was he a number one overall, he's had RNH, he's had Yakupov, yes, right? Like he's had David, yeah. He, oh, that McDavid guy, Nico Heeshear, uh, yeah, in Jersey. So there's all kinds of guys around him, and so he will help with that. Don't but have that guy on your team. I do like <laughs> Felino and Perry for the for the for the character they bring, and I don't mean. But I just mean in terms of leadership and yeah. veteran guys. How to be a pro. I just think it's uh yeah, and guys like Felino will will step up and do whatever needs to be done. And he's a guy who could be on the ice. I don't know. They're gonna be bad, as yes, you suggest. But just some guys to insulate them on many levels, right? Yeah. To me, it is I like some that. Some grown ups in the room. Yeah. Well, and guys who've done a bunch of things, right? So I, I appreciate that. And and I like I said, everyone thinks Perry's a weasel. Yes. And, yes, we do. And that's probably not incorrect, but he's a good pro and and he knows how to win. Fucking Peterborough Pete. Yeah. Lo- isn't, uh, he's <laughs> yeah. Never, he was never a Pete. He no, was, no, he's just born in Peterborough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a London Whatever. Knight, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it is worse. Yeah. If you're from Peterborough and you played for the Knights, it's worse, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Is that a, can you find a worse combo? Get traded to the generals at the trade deadline. <laughs> that, just ease up on my head. Yeah. Let's go you Jenny's boo. Yeah. yeah it's true. <laughs> um, so I, I do like it. They have to get to the cap. Um, the floor. Yeah, the cap floor. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And so I, I like it. I And to me, in terms of, of, you know, could you have done better? And it seems like it takes certain a certain GM to properly weaponize we saw Ottawa didn't properly do it in in a bunch of areas, and yeah. in fact went the opposite direction. Like I'll take your Taylor Hall and your Nick Foligno, but it's going to cost you. Right? Yeah, whereas see, people don't. It's it's like it's almost approaches the offer sheet level. Yeah, right where you're like, you have that, you have that in your in your repertoire, but you don't do it. Yeah, and so you're like, is it like you feel like it's bad form? I don't want to be that guy. You're like, but. It's there. Like it's, it can't even be Chicago worrying about it happening to them. They're years away from having to worry about right. being in the opposite situation. So they essentially just let Boston right off the hook. And everybody, as soon as Taylor Hall was dealt, assumed that was to make room for Tyler Bertuzzi yeah. in Boston. And that hasn't panned out either. I guess we should move into the uh, the free agency side of this. But maybe before we move into that, uh, I should point out, Two new pieces of news, uh, crucial to a long-standing discussion, debate, bet that you and I have going on. Early last week, uh, Brad Treliving in Toronto has a press conference saying, "Yeah, no, Sheldon Keefe's going to be back. We've uh, we figured it out. We'll figure out the contract over the summer, but he's going to return." And then later in the week, 
uh, Pierre Dorian in Ottawa confirms that, you know, I've spoken to Michael Anlauer, the new owner. I've recommended to him that DJ Smith return as coach of the Sens, and uh, he's going to accept that recommendation. You and I, for new listeners, have been asking for two years now? Yeah, a year and a half at least. Yeah. Which one of those fuckers is getting fired first? And it keeps going back and forth. DJ Smith gets off to a terrible start. You're like, that guy's going to get fired. And he doesn't. Toronto flames out in the first round. Keith's going to get fired. And he doesn't. And we circle back. The pressure's now back on yeah, DJ. Ping pong's back and forth. Right, like, to get off to a good start. And, and I think coming out of these playoffs, the pressure was back on Keith. That guy's getting shit canned. Won't be back. They have to make some sort of change. And it doesn't happen. Both guys get a, uh, a vote of confidence, man. This what? thing continues on. And again, as the pressure sort of flips back and forth, Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs again. Dorian comes out and says, does not give right. DJ sort of the vote of confidence. At the time, the sale wasn't finalized, right. so he's sort of handcuffed. And so, <laughs> so the Leafs then flame out, and I texted you, and I'm like, okay, do you think Keefe lasts long enough until the ownership thing, gave, you know? Because yeah. to me, it was that tenuous. Yep. On both sides. And again, you go, oh, no, everybody's back. Everybody's back. And, and again, I know we've talked about it here. Yeah. But it, it's baffling to me that Dubas is the guy who, who's who, who's the only guy to pay for yes. that. It looks like everyone else is going to be back and, in Toronto. And, and we'll see, right, in terms of... I he know, spent like a drunken sailor on Saturday, and I don't know where they have any cap space. But. Yeah, well... I don't know that. And then, then you hear last night after after they did the the things they did, and then yeah. you hear, and Pittsburgh's in on the Carlson thing, and you're right. like, really? Sure, man. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what fantasy world you're in, but yeah. Anyway, just du- Vegas, yeah, anyway, just yeah. doubling back. It's 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 incredible, and now the pressure's back on DJ because looks like it comes down to the start, yep. and he is getting closer to the end of his contract. But I find it hard to believe that that this is going to be happening, and. And, and it's just one more thing on that. Yeah. It's it's interesting when DJ spoke afterwards and he said, yeah, it's it's now time for everyone to change. Oh. Right? He's like, it's, Uh-oh. well, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, this idea that the, the players all love him and whereas he's coddled people and there's been no repercussions. You play bad, you just get right back out there because you're learning. Our buddy Graham Nichols there, Roman a Day blog, um, he referenced, and, and you'd have a better recollection of this than me, that uh, Paul McLean. 100%. Okay. Was coaching the Sens, and instead of firing him, they just sort of told him, you need to change everything you do. And apparently that went terribly. They yeah. had to fire him eventually anyway, and all the players are saying, we kind of miss the old Paul McLean. Yeah. Where's the old Paul? Right. And that's what they were saying on the exit interviews. We miss the old Paul, right? The guy who you actually are and got you where you are. Yeah. Now we need you to be more of a hard ass. And sometimes that's not you. That's not you. If that's not what got you here, if that's not who you are, people know when you're being fake, right? And so So that's what, I guess, like the players all seem to love DJ and now he's going to play better for him. Play better Uh, for him if that's the case, man. And we'll see now with with the changes, but I've I've always said it. I I listen to DJ. I, I like... To listen to DJ, I just don't like the results on the ice. Sure. And so shit better change, man, because there's no room to move. Uh, Despite that, despite a flat cap where you'd think there was no room to move, we saw a ton of movement over the course of the weekend. We'll get into that, but uh, you've brought out a couple new beers here. What do we got going on, man? 
So this is the uh, and and I like the the, the I, I got a bit more smoke through the end of the yeah it's, as it warmed a little too and, and yep. you kind of got deeper into it yeah it did come out a little bit more uh, a little bit but not oppressive no still subtle enough yeah it was uh, nice so this is a this is sort of a step back maybe this is the Denada Cali Common Lager mm. coming in at four point nine and it says we don't try to be anything else other than what the name says okay Chris this is also Prince Eddie yep. Again, from Prince City in the small can. Yeah. But yeah, easy drinking. Blowing through them here on the side. Well, as I said, man, you need, it's like you need two more for every one. It's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's easy going and should be drank with people of a similar bend. Okay. So just, yep, 4.9, crisp lager. That's what, that's, what they're, that's what they're claiming. And I haven't had a pull on it. Have you had a pull on it yet? Not yet, no. Okay, well, I'm going to try that. And well, we'll, you go ahead and do that. It was quite a weekend... This was supposed to be a fairly uninteresting free agent class. Could use a smoke. Okay. (laughs) uh, um, Throughout the week leading up to free agency, we saw some buyouts that did give a little bit more name value to the free agent class. But man, some pretty bad moves across the board in a lot of places. Uh, a lot of guys making 12 to 15%, like, you know, I'm somebody who follows Dom Lustrician quite a bit and going, that's too much, that's too much, that's too much, that's too much. Yeah. And that is sort of the way it goes on July 1st. Right. But this wasn't the class to do it, right? Like, had Timo Meyer been an unrestricted free agent, you overpay him by 15%, you're like, yeah, but I got him. You don't do that on Miles Wood or whatever we're talking about. It's a, that's not a mistake you want to make. So... There's, I guess, a few different places we could start here, but, um, you know, coming out of Saturday and we're halfway through Sunday as the, at, at the time that you and I started recording, not much had happened, if anything, yeah, on, on, on Sunday. Sunday. See, and, and it's interesting because as you talked about the draft and the changes and the lack of movement back or forward, whatever lack it is, right. And the whole idea that, yeah, you know what? Anything past pick 15 or 20 in most drafts in the first round, it's a crapshoot. Yep. So I'm not willing to move back unless I'm guaranteed I can get that guy. Yep. It's like the changes that have occurred in free agency. Guys settling up beforehand, guys getting extended, all these sorts of things sort of take away from that in terms in terms of like yeah. you look at you look at Timo Meyer. Yeah. There's a guy. 8.8 million times eight years in New Jersey. See, see, that to me seems like for a guy you had in-house, that that's steep, man. You think so? See, well, I like that deal because they traded for him. He had one year left at RFA. I think they're going to have to pay him nine. Uh, I think they knew in, that in for terms one of the year. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were nine. He was nine, I think. And then 10. he would be able to walk as an unrestricted free agent in a year had you done that. So to get him at 8.8. Yeah, I want to like, say the qualifying was the, the QO on that may have been 10. Okay. It was in that neighborhood anyway, nine, ten million dollars yeah, yeah. just to keep them for next year. So if I was to ask you, Cole Caulfield, William Nylander, Alex DeBrinket, Timo Meyer, you can only have one. Hmm. Just in terms of money and, and I'm, I'm Well, we don't know the money on Nylander or DeBrinket. Yeah, exactly. Yet. But I'm just saying we know the money on Caulfield. Yeah. Right? Sort of seven I'd eight. Probably eight. take Meyer. And then you have Meyer at eight eight, right? And you sort of you I think Willie's gonna come in more like nine four. Yeah. Okay. I really like like Timo Meyer 
and people love him, and they should. Well, he's a big guy, right? He's never put up the numbers that Willie has, right? He, he's no. always been a bit behind, but he does other things, right? He's better defensively. He's more physical. Like he does. If you were going to offer me one of those guys at the money we know, yep, so far, probably be Timo Meyer. Right now, Willie would be second, and I, I I think Willie would be worth over the course of what this next CBA or not CBA, but as the cap rises yep. in the next contract. I think Willie will be worth nine three, nine four, whatever that's going to look like. But if you tell me right now I can have Meyer at eight eight, I'd take that. Yeah, well, and and he became he was a, a flashpoint. I don't know how long ago we signed that in, in on this podcast, right? For the money, Willie, yeah, six nine for the money nice he was set, making. Man. It's going to be fine. And yeah, it became a bargain. Yep, sure but, did. But that's the thing that he's not really interested in being a bargain again. <laughs> well, and he wasn't then. He was though. No, no. I'm saying he wasn't interested in no. being a bargain. Then. No, he like, was just the one who went first. He held out for the forever yep. until like that November first dropped or December first. December first deadline. That drop deadline, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so when he's saying, yeah, submitting his list of things. Anyway, anyways, yeah, yeah. it just it was interesting in terms of of the values. Yeah, and I, I just maybe Timo Meyer would bring something a little different to Toronto at that money, but I. I I badly need the Leafs to figure this out with, because with every, maybe the Leafs isn't the place to start here, but with everything they've seen walk out the door over the last couple of days. That is where the draft started though. And not replaced. You cannot now afford to lose Willie unless you're trading him for probably have to be a sign and trade, uh, a few things to fill up some empty spots. Right. But, uh, to me, the thing that stands out coming out of this UFA weekend is the number of young guys that weren't qualified in favor of paying older dudes long-term. And maybe part of that is knowing what you're getting a little bit. You you do know you're about to enter regression on a lot of these guys, but I think a lot of people are finally, you're assured next year, the, the cap's going up 4 million. The year after that, it's probably going up another four or 5 million. So you feel a little more comfortable doing this, but like you look at some of the, like, uh, Alex Kalorn, who forever was supposed to be the casualty in Tampa every time they were yeah. going to run and he survived that he entire was contract. For yeah. sure he was. And all of a sudden Anaheim says, we'll give you four years, despite you being, uh, 34 years old at yeah. $6.25 million. He's like, fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll see you later. But that's a terrible contract for that. Like, you're going to regret that almost immediately. And Anaheim's nowhere close to, I guess they're about to turn the corner, but they're nowhere close to contending where you're like, we need this playoff veteran. I I don't see them making the playoffs for at least three years anyway. No. No. And it's, it's one of those things where you're like, okay... I get to have like a million and a half dollar a year raise and I'm going to finish my career in Orange County. Yeah. Just sort of hanging out by the ocean, checking out what Paul Correa is doing, maybe surfing a Remember bit. the year after the lockout when the Leafs had to get down under the, the cap in 05 and Belfort, Neuendijk and Roberts all ended up in Miami? You're like, yeah, that's Florida, man. That's retirement country, right? Like that seems <laughs> about right. Yeah. it And he was a guy who was... It w- I was more interested in, uh, the, uh, instead of the guys who were getting overpaid, hmm. the guys who were taking less money. Who was that? Connor Brown. 
Like to me, that was a fascinating signing. I know he's got a bit of a prove me year coming off. Only played, yeah, four games last year due to, uh, I think it was a knee injury. ACL, yep. Yeah, so he ends up out in Edmonton, and I believe the cap hit this year is $750,000. Yeah, and if he plays 10 games, it becomes a $4 million cap hit, but the other 3.25 gets transferred to next year. When the cap theoretically yes. w- goes up f- there 4 million yeah, so you've spent it. 3.25 yeah. of it already, but this but, is what the, the argument everyone made all weekend as did I. Well, next year the cap will go up and so you don't worry about it. But you can't write that off for everybody, right? Like in Toronto it was next year the cap will go up so just give Willie's extra million. Okay, but you've already given Matthews probably an extra two or three. You've got Ryan Reeves and you've got David Kampf and you're like you can't just, yeah, but it's fine. It's $4 million extra dollars. Fifth highest paid player in the lease now. 100%. Uh, Comp? Fifth highest paid forward. Forward, yes. Yeah, sorry, right. Morgan Riley. Big Mo. No yeah. no slight there, buddy. No. Sorry. So. Um, but that to me is a... The Connor ob- Brown deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously easily attainable and a great fit. But if, yeah, if they're going to slide him in, like they're reuniting these eerie otters and they're like... And they're reuniting all these Leafs. Yeah, well, yeah. It's been nothing but success over the years. Jack Campbell and Hyman and CC. Don't forget about Cody CC. I would never forget about Cody CC. How could you? (laughs) No longer Tyson Berry, but um, I see Toronto's got a new Tyson Berry. That's nice. It went so well. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. (laughs) It went so well in Toronto. Why wouldn't you redo it Um, in Edmonton? But if if Connor Brown, if if he if he is if his legs are good to go, yeah, that guy is. 20 plus goals easy, five of them shorthanded. I I love that. I know you love that guy. 100%, man. You love that guy before I love that yeah. guy. Um, but He didn't return either of our. No, clearly he's not. He's like, Psh, I'm on, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go love the Western correspondent. Yeah, good for you, purple turnip. Um, yeah, inside joke. Um, is, is it though? <laughs> I think it's pretty easily. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, enjoying the Elks losing to the Red Blacks. That's gold. Western uh, correspondent. Yeah. The Three Down Nation Twitter account put out after the Red Blacks finally won a home game on Friday night. Congratulations to the Elks on finally ending a home losing streak. (laughs) Maybe next time it'll be yours. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they're going to love that. I'm not sure if they're planning on, on, on putting him on McDavid's wing, if that's the best place for that to happen. Probably not, right? Like, seem to be a pot. See, to me, he's a great third line. Yeah, you start that guy lower down, and then as you start to shuffle later on, if it's working out, maybe you you take a look at it, see what like that. See, but on trade deadline day, trade deadline day, no, on free agency day, Ryan Rashog was saying definitively, that guy is a top six forward in Edmonton. Make no bones about it. All right. Well. And Good I was luck re- with all that. Yeah, I was reading an article which talked about uh, reunited, and it feels so fine <laughs> that the Connor Brown McDavid Erie Otters duo. What's Dylan Strom doing? You have the McKinnon Jonathan Drouin, Drouin yeah. Halifax Mooseheads, and, and the article pointed out that Connor Brown outscored or outpointed McDavid in their final year together. Yeah. And Drouin by 30 points over McKinnon <laughs> in their final year. Like somehow that's going to mean 
Look for the same this year. Sure. Look for 185 points for Connor Brown. (laughs) Could happen. Yeah. Just so anyways, to me, there was that. There was the Matt Duchesne. See, to me, that one was interesting. So Matt Duchesne gets bought out. You and I talked a week or so ago. hours before. Yeah. That they had bought out Ryan Johansson. And you and I, uh, no, they didn't buy him out. They traded him with half retained to Colorado. And I think you and I both liked Johansson at $4 million for Colorado. You'll do that. They then turn around and buy out Matt Duchesne, who had three years left, I believe, at Eight. $8 million. And that, so he, he, they have to pay him two-thirds of that. Yeah. And so, so I think, you know, had he been willing to work cheap, and it seems like he kind of is, I was super wanting the Leafs to get in on that, right? Like... That guy solves a few of you. Like, if that guy's playing second line center between Tavares and Nylander or something along those lines at whatever, $3 million? $3 million, yeah. Let's do it. $3 million in, and this will be a, a yeah. recurring theme as we talk about this, $3 million in Texas yeah. where he signs with Dallas is not the same as $3 million in Toronto. So essentially, this is a guy who said was playing for eight in Tennessee, yep. Nashville. Yep. Gets is still going to get is still going to get five from Nashville. Yeah, on the buyout. Signs for three in, in Texas. Also tax free. Essentially make him making him whole on yep. that eight million. And he signed a one year deal. And and he said on TSN on Saturday, he's yeah. like, yeah, it's a one year deal. I'll test drive it. He's like, but the cultures are very similar between Dallas and Nashville. Nashville and and you look at that Dallas forward group now. It's a it's a nice group. Wyatt Johnston making his way up as well. Tied to Landria making his way up. You already have, you know, how long can Joel Pavelski keep doing this? I don't know, but last year he was still elite, right? Jason Robertson. That Robertson guy. Yeah. So close. Yeah. Uh, Rupe Hints, <laughs> you know, it's developed into this number one center. You still have, you know, for whatever you think about them, ben you have Sagan. Ty Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's quite a group they got there, man. They're they're going to be all right. Um, well, and if if Ottinger can really and and I I think most people like him. Yeah, and I do. Yeah, and his playoffs were sort of yeah. up and down, but yeah, you're looking at and and you just start with Heskinen as an anchor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are a very they look good. They do look good, and it's it's one of those things where. And like even when Ben continues to fall off and Sagan's had his injury issues, like yeah, there's some young pieces still. Like they're going to be fine. Like I, I like that signing for them, and and maybe it does turn out that by the deadline he's pretty happy there, signs up a little more long term. Uh, and if you already have five Schmill in your back pocket for well, I don't couple know more years, four more years yep. after after this year, I mean yes. And and if you say to Dallas, you know, you make it five. Here, like yeah. uh, you're now, you're now getting a pay uptick, right? In terms of as a guy who's older too, right? He's not a, so, he, he was in the Tavares draft, right? So that makes right, him yeah. 33, 34, 33, I believe now. Yeah. So you start to look at a couple of these things. Maybe the next na- uh, natural place to go would be Nashville because that's who bought him out. They bring in Luke Shen and Ryan O'Reilly. Shen. I wanted to talk about for a second because I thought it was awesome to have him back. And he was so much better than any Leaf fan was expecting him to be, especially throughout the playoffs. Also better than any Vancouver Canuck fan expected. Right. And he was terrific. But that guy for the last few years 
there was times he was almost out of the league, right? And he was healthy, right. scratched in certain places. He's making league minimum. His mileage. Yeah. And so that guy needs to make some money, right? His years are running out and he just had a great playoffs under the Toronto spotlight. Yep. And I'm so pumped for that guy that he got somebody to give him three years times 2.75. But as a Leaf fan, I would not even have considered doing that, right? Like if he wanted to stay in Toronto, it's two years 1.1, right? <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Because they're just in a different situation. And then again, as you referenced a few minutes ago, it's that tax difference, right? It's even if the Leafs were prepared to go three years at 2.75, that's different than it is in Tennessee. Our take home pay is hugely different. Yeah. Right. And so Ryan O'Reilly, by all accounts, uh, who also goes to Nashville from Toronto, is a guy that the Leafs offered the same deal to four years. 4.5. And I kind of looked at that and went, I might do that, right? Gives you that third line center who can occasionally slide up. The foot speed would have been a little concerning as you get, but it's only four years. It gets them to 36. Like, see, I like as it. their window, as what they were trying to do, I would have done that. But again, four years times $4.5 million in Tennessee versus in Ontario. It's a significant amount of money. Yeah. So see, and and I I would like that deal better in Toronto. Like really? To, uh, well, just in terms of of yeah, what, I don't know what Nashville thinks they're about. I, to be. I don't think Nashville's going to be anything. Right. They're not making the playoffs. But just in terms of from O'Reilly's perspective, the cash in, cash out. Right. And all I'm suggesting here is is I'm not sure if he had a no move in St. Louis. I don't know. But he opted for Toronto. Yes. And if that was the case, because he's looking at that saying, I can bring my skill set, which we've talked about widely, mm-hmm. and I can help that team win a cup or get over, right? Sure. Whatever, whatever it is. Win a round. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> but I just mean, and in, in, I'm sure they- He's in, a playoff guy. That's yeah. what he's known for. Right? And that ain't happening. You've now, in my opinion, Shen, I get, yeah. as somebody who, for all the things you've outlined, you're like, somebody's going to pay me 2.75? Sold. Yeah. R- to me- I put Duchesne a bit in this, yeah. As well as 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 O'Reilly, when you say, "I'm now taking the money and the security over a chance to win," I I disagree on Duchesne. I okay, think Dallas on, on Duchesne, but yeah. to me, O'Reilly, Duchesne is he has about to be their number one center because yeah. he can't do that anymore. Like he, he's he, not that anymore. He absolutely is going to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's what I'm saying. I think in in some of these instances I think Trotz has been exposed a bit as a, as a first time GM. Yeah. And and I'm not sure what he's I'm it's it's one of those things where I I'm confused by what he's doing. You trade talent out and then you make these two signings of guys who are past who are on the back nine. Yeah. Clearly maybe even in the final three or four holes. Right. And and I, I so I'm not sure what you're doing, right? When when you could you want Ekholm, you want Chen, right? Like I, yeah. I know, I know. It's, it's not salary wise. It's yep. not. It's not an apples to apples. But you are talking about Ekholm out, Chen in. Sounds like what Barry Trotz is trying to do is change the character of the team. Right? Well, and this has been touched on, right? Yeah. When they say Johansson and Duchesne, yep. not character guys. Right. O'Reilly, Chen, character guys. Right. Right. And so that's a bit damning. But to me, all I meant by throwing Duchesne into that was. He would have had options at, 100%. at two to three million. Yep. But he took the no tax date. 100%. Uh, you mentioned whether or not Barry Trotz is already being exposed a little. I wonder 
what you think about what Steve Eiserman has done and whether or not he's being exposed a little bit. Maybe in Tampa, was it always those AGMs? Was it always Julian Brisebois helping him out a bit? Because I haven't really loved any of his time in Detroit, and this isn't a whole lot better. They bring in Justin Hall, JT Confer, at, at almost was it eight million between the two of them? Yeah, like that. I don't know what he thinks he's building there. And Justin Hall, to me, it's obviously a guy I've watched a lot. He's not as bad as a lot of Leaf fans want to say that he is. Uh, when he makes mistakes, he makes horrible, glaring mistakes. He's a Larry Murphy. He's just going there to win cups. Yeah, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, and JT Confer, a guy who Colorado decided not good enough, right? We need you to be our number two center. Maybe we should have, when we were talking about the Habs, talked about them trading out New Hook uh, after giving him the opportunity as well. But staying in Detroit and what what Steve Eiserman's doing, I don't understand what that is. And uh, like to me... There's some pieces there that are growing and that will be better, but those aren't contracts to me that are turning you into a contender, right? Hall and Confer. Right. When they continue to do this where they bring in Stahl in the back and they bring yeah. in Pius Suter or whatever, like in past years, yeah. right? Where they just sort of go, I'm taking a flyer on that guy. I'm yeah. taking a flyer. And you can take a flyer. You just can't take... Six. Six, exactly. <laughs> and, and go... You know Nadelkovic, and and we're gonna we're gonna try that out, and we're gonna pay him, and then you go okay, well, yeah, fuck it, it. It just seems like, as you suggest, that a little bit of that magic that maybe he had, mm-hmm. that mojo coming out of Tampa, maybe it was always Breeze Boy, hasn't really. Now the one thing is uh, Pat Verbeek, who worked under him, yeah, clearly has taken the charm and the personality courses. <laughs> Man, listen to those two guys, okay. great players, yeah. But man, listening to them, neither one of them are quote machines, no. right? Just and like, intentionally so, I yep, guess. Yeah, one hundred percent, right? Yeah. And, and Steve Eiserman has said, and and he's my guy. Like that's my as a as a you're guy, my boy, Blue. Yeah, one hundred percent, Eiserman. I that's he was my guy growing up. Yeah, Napier Zone. Yeah, uh, Peter Pete yeah. and a yeah. long time wing. I like Strike that. that to me, them. is all I'm all about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I you're right. He, it's messy there, and and I don't see. It's like you continue to stir, but I haven't seen anything take shape yet, right? right. You're just like... I see you keep dumping shit into the stew, but... When are the eggs going to set? Because yeah. it just still looks like a, a messy goo, and so... <laughs> Nobody yeah. likes a messy goo. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, just in terms of you have cider, you have Raymond... I don't know. And then, don't yeah, know. this is it, right? It's a lot of Larkin's a good, very good second line. Dylan center. Larkin, I'm not, For me, I'm yeah. not huge on that guy. No, but, but they have. If he's he, your number two. You're fine. They have committed to him, yeah. and 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 he is there, and so he is there. He That's, is there. That and, is a thing you can say about. Dylan and Larkin. we're not saying Bertuzzi doesn't go back there. Could be. We should move along here. We're running out of time. Let's get to Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, Ottawa's big move is Eunice Corpasalo bringing him in from the LA Kings. Uh, he'd been through some injury troubles. His numbers, if you look kind of save percentage-wise over the years, all over the map. Like, there is yep. no pattern nope. on... Like, Craig Anderson, you could almost set your watch to good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good yep. year, bad year. Um, this guy, all over the map. Then he goes and he has, I think it was a double hip surgery to get himself cleaned up. Comes back, 
on a terrible Columbus team last year. He goes 500, so not bad. L.A. comes calling. He finishes out the season in L.A. pretty well. And then he didn't look very good in the playoffs. But you're playing McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they can make a lot of teams look not very good. Yeah. So he gets $4 million times five years in Ottawa. I would suggest, in my own opinion, that is a perfectly reasonable cap hit for that guy with an absurd amount of term. Right. Um, Two years too many? Probably. Because they're counting here in Ottawa on Sogard becoming the guy maybe within two, right? And you have Forsberg already. Now that guy's coming off two knees knees blown out. Uh, And by all accounts, isn't supposed to be ready for camp. He's looking like maybe more like November or something like that. What did you think of of the Corpus Allo deal? He's the guy I wanted. Yeah? He's the guy I wanted. When you looked at at the availables, yeah. I, I would have went with, with he was the first guy I wanted, and Freddie Anderson maybe I would have taken on a couple years. Sure. Um, he returned to Carolina. Yeah, he and he and Randa, and Auntie Ranta, uh, yeah. Honestly, the combined for less than and five K- million. And Kachekov also now on a one year deal. I don't know what they're going to do, but well, let's stay in Ottawa. They'll just bury him in in the minors and pay, and pay him, which doesn't seem like what Dundon likes to do. But no. neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with you. To me, the timeline is not the the Solgard timeline is not set by. By Corpusalo, so much as it's set by Forsberg, right? Forsberg has one more year on his contract, and so like I, this year, this year coming up, yeah. And so ideally, you run with Corpusalo and Forsberg this year, but then you have a four million dollar backup. Yeah, well, we'll see, we'll see, because then it allows it allows Sogard. I'm not saying Tandem Sogard comes little. up, yeah, to, comes up and, and starts right away. You come up and you do a, a 50-30 split, right? Now, that being said, Corpusalo has never played 50 games. No, he has only three seasons in his career where he's played above 30, and the maximum he's ever played is 39. So $4 million for a less than half time. You are talking about a guy that I'm asking to, I'm asking to hit 50 this and year. And like, I don't know, maybe, maybe that is the price of doing business in Ottawa right now, right? Like to get somebody to come, you haven't made the playoffs in a bit, you got to give them those extra, like maybe... I don't even know who it would be. Maybe Detroit was offering him four years. You have to go five to get him. I, I don't know. When you are you looking to throw Mandelizi and and Sogard to start the season again while you're waiting on Forsberg? Maybe this is what it just costs to get this done in Ottawa right now until they sort of prove themselves. I I don't know, man. I I think the number is reasonable, but this yeah. is what we always talk about on July first: is you end up overpaying. Yeah, and I think by at least two years they've overpaid here. Like if you could have done. Well, four million dollars times two years, or even four point seven five times two years, right? Just to get him, yeah, that looks better to me for Ottawa than this. Cena's twenty nine. Yep, that's the thing. Yeah, and and it is one of those things. And we talked about it with Campbell. We talked about it with with Craig Anderson, right? Yeah. Guys who get to be the late twenties, and you go, that's that is for a lot of goalies a nice golden age Prime, to, yeah. to sort of to make that make that switch. Unlike skaters, right? That's yes. way later. But you are looking at when they asked him, you know, what made you choose Ottawa? And, you know, he, he, gave, money. he gave lip service <laughs> to the young talent and, then, and yes. an up-and-coming team. Which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But he did say, yeah, when it came time, Ottawa was a team that stood up first. Yep. Yeah. And so he, he doesn't say what that means, but if that means five years. It's time to go, yeah. 
Put your best offer on the table. Ottawa did, and he's in. And I'm like, I'm there. Yep. So he, like, honestly, man, he, I, I've seen him <laughs> shut out the world in the bubble, right? I've seen him do that. I've seen him be very good at a few different times, and if that's what Ottawa's getting, then this is a great, a great deal, right? It gives all kinds of time for Sogard to mature and grow into what you want him yeah. to be. I like it a lot. Okay, but I do understand. It's just the term for me. That's it. It's just uh, the term. Well, and it's, it's to me the term. If he plays to his potential, sure, you can move that guy. Yep. That that isn't the issue, and you don't go. Or okay. Maybe you don't want to. Yeah. Well, this is it, right? Yeah. Is is maybe you extend that guy right. and you move somebody else? Right. Um, it comes down to the unprovenness for me. Yep. Despite the seventy plus save in the bu- game in the bubble and. Yeah, we've seen this guy recently have save percentages of nine eighteen and eight seventy five. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw and, a dart and goals. Hole. Goals against. Honestly, in, in in Columbus's first year was over four. Yeah, right. And then in his brief stint in 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 L A. two. But by all accounts, from people who know goalies, after this hip procedure, Way he's better. looked far more mobile. Yeah. Looked far more like he's supposed to look like. Right. And I always encourage people not to take small samples into consideration. And the only time he looked bad this past season was against Edmonton for six games. And as I said, Edmonton can do that to you, right? So I, again, if, if this had been a three or four year deal, I probably go, yeah, I, I get it. That extra year, that extra two years makes me pause a little bit. I don't by any means think this is a debacle for Ottawa, a terrible trade or signing for Ottawa. I just wish it wasn't quite so long. Yeah. And so to me, as a guy who, who has looked significantly better, and I, I think about um, Linus Olmark as, as somebody yeah. as somebody who was a 500 goalie in a pretty shitty situation yep. in Buffalo, goes in and you know under different circumstances in a better defensive structure, right? How good he looks, but you go that guy was 500 in a terrible situation. Yep. And then you look at at Corp the Salo, 11 and 11 and at the hip surgeries in and, and the, this year. yeah and the better year mm-hmm. and you go okay he's healthy. And he is at 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a big guy, but yeah. he's not a blocker. You know, they talk- 6'3", only 200. That's unrealistic. You can't expect a guy to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 200 seems way beyond. Rear view, man. Yes. Great <laughs> Hardly still <laughs> it, it It's sort of- I'm, I'm interested in the athleticism that he brings, yep. right? In terms of the style. And, and so we'll see how it goes. I was happy- I was happy with that. What do you think of the nickname? What is the nickname? Just it's just Corpy. Yeah, I hate that shit. I'd go with Sallow yeah, all day. Sure, corpse. Yeah, <laughs> like corpse. Corpse. Well, and if you look at if you look at him, and somebody was saying, you know, he looks a bit like Jack Sparrow with uh, with, with, with blonde hair, and you're like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I totally get that, right? Sure. He does have that sort of um, that Scandi Death Stare kind of right. thing going for him, which I like, really. Sure. But Corpy. Yeah. Hockey players are terrible. Stinks. Beller. Yeah. It's fishy, you know. And you're like, yeah. come on, guys. Be so much more. You can do so much more. I've uh, made a living on it, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, Toronto. Reeves. 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 Oh, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. Nothing like signing a 36-year-old <laughs> face, face puncher. Face puncher. <laughs> For three years. Plus a Mr. John Klingberg, the new Ackieberg of, uh, of Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter, I can only imagine. Yeah. 
David Kampf, maybe before any of that, uh, he gets four years, $2.5 million. And I don't mind that guy, but that contract is weird because he's not good enough to be your third-line center. I love him at fourth-line center, but you can't pay your fourth-line center $2.5 million. So that contract puts him in a weird spot. And again, I know... Leaf fans all over the map trying to decide, you know, what defense needs to be fixed, how to... Last seven games of the playoffs, Leafs scored two goals or less. It has been in game seven a year ago against Tampa, only scored one goal. A year before that against Montreal in game seven, only one goal. Got to improve the depth scoring. (laughs) David Kampf does not do that. Ryan Reeves does not do that. And this led you and I to trade a couple interesting texts. Uh... Well, interesting to me, perhaps not to the listener. On uh, on Saturday night, Mike Johnson kind of getting into it with the rest of the TSN panel. All of them. Uh, basically, Mike Johnson v. the world. Yeah, I loved it. And he's he's not wrong. I guess we should lay out quickly. It's it's a three-year contract for a 36-year-old guy. It's I think it was 1.35. 1. 1. 1.3. So it's not crippling on the cap, but it's not helping you with the issue that you actually have, and you don't bring in one guy to make your team tough. A lot of people like to talk about, you know, this makes other guys play tougher because they know they have Ryan Reeves in their back pocket. In 81 games in New York, Ryan Reeves was on the ice for 31 minutes total with Panarin. In 60 games in Minnesota, he was on the ice for 24 minutes total with Kaprizov. If someone's out there bullying your star, Ryan Reeves is not on the ice while that's happening. And we have seen Ryan Reeves six months later go run over people who have offended his team in the past. This is just not, in my opinion, what Toronto needs. And you and I have three years of it. Yeah. At 40, do you expect this guy to still be out there chasing around? Chasing is the key. Chasing at best. (laughs) Trying to catch up to... And I don't even know if this guy is, and this is Mike Johnson again, is, is he even in your game one playoff no. lineup? No. Well, might be, because yeah. we haven't signed anyone yeah, else. Yeah, but Reeves, <laughs> Reeves made the great point, right? Which he's like, yeah, it's not about fighting in the playoffs. It's about wearing the opponents down. But you could have spent a bit more money and kept Nolachari if you needed someone to... Yes, and if, I'd have loved that. If you needed someone to just get two on the years, four Two years, two million dollars in Pittsburgh. See? Yoink. That, yeah, all in, man. Actually, that's that same money just yep. cut into two instead yep. of three, and so to me, terrible. Yep. And and the debate actually made it made it worthwhile because there wasn't much happening early in the no. early in the free agency, and so that did come down. Oh, it's gonna make them feel better in the locker room and all that. And I do sort of believe in the intangibles, right? right. Somebody who stirs you up in the locker room, whatever. But that guy's not going to be on the ice when Mitch Marner's getting punched in the face or Well, and I was Austin flipping back Matthews and forth at laughing. that point. Be- yeah. <laughs> flipping back and forth between Sportsnet and TSN. And Did not turn on Sportsnet for one second. Brutal. Okay. I was there for a couple of seconds and I was watching Jennifer Botterill say, and she kind of- I wish I was on TSN. <laughs> she kind of echoed what, what Cheryl Pounder was saying, right? Okay. That, and saying, yeah, it's going to help. It's going to- yeah. They were very much- Echoing the same sentiments where I watched Botterill in the playoffs or late in the season. I can't remember what the incident was where she was saying it's garbage. Yeah. You, don't need, you don't need those. You don't need the fighting. And then to, to see this as a positive, as everyone's going to walk a little taller. 
Yeah. I found a laughable. Now Reeves is 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 terrifying. Of course. In, in if the, he gets a hold of me, oh, he'll get a hold of me. I'm terrified, <laughs> right? Like for sure, man. That's I, a life changing. I do not want to because he just he has that look on his face. Like, are you ready? Right. Do you have your insurance in order? But because <laughs> to me, I'm just like, have you filled out your final will and testament? Yeah, because that to me is what you're seeing there. But but like. Is he on the ice at all in the second round against Matthew Kachuk? No. No. And, if he's and, on the ice at all. And if he doesn't get a piece of Matthew Kachuk on the way into the Florida zone, he has zero chance no. of making it back right. and, and being defensively responsible in your own end. No. He, that to me, and you couple that with Klingberg. And, and have you seen anybody whose fortunes Not. have somebody who a full year ago at this time was saying... No, I'm looking for a big money deal. Eight times eight. Long term. And, and, and then go, go to Anaheim for one year. They'll pay me and it'll turn around. I'll be acquired. I'm going to prove deadline. myself here. And then you're like, no, we flipped you out to Minnesota. And now you're signing a one year 4.5. And, and I'm sitting here going, way too much. Like if they'd assigned him to one times one, I'd have gone, maybe. Because Eric Gustafson, we just had. He went to New York for a year and 800 grand. I'd have done that yeah. all day ahead of John Klingberg. Okay, and you stole my thunder because that, okay. was, that was my question was, could you not have just resigned the guy Yeah, I would have loved that, man. For a similar thing. If, if you needed help on, there your, is, on your power play, yeah. there could is Gustafson some not talk. have done that? Yes. Yes, he could. And there is some talk. When you read Dom, when you read some of the guys in The Athletic, I don't read Dom because he craps on my team. Yeah, all he sure the time. does. That's why I read Dom. <laughs> One, there is a possibility. Let's call it fifteen to twenty percent chance that this is a guy who plays third pair, runs your second power play. He does still make a nice outlet pass. He, yep, and the Leafs needed a little help with that. But on defense, this is a shockingly bad player. And you already have one of those. You Morgan sweet, Riley. You sweet talker, you. <laughs> and so I, I don't understand what the play was here other than, oh my God, there's nothing left. And so I don't think this is one of those players where there's room in between. I think you're either going to get what is a 15 to 20% chance that he's fine as a third pair defenseman. Don't pay third pair defenseman $4 million. Or... Man, just, and even when he got to Minnesota after the deadline last year, they did their best to shelter him and he was getting lit the fuck up. Uh, it's, it's a baffling move. And so just quickly before I let you in here, as best case scenario, all you can say is it could have been worse. Ryan Reeves, it's three years, but it's only $1.3 million. And within a year, that's fully variable, right? Yeah, John yeah. Klingberg, it's one year at $4 million. It's only one year when this obviously goes terribly, you can disappear that in a year. But man, I, it's, it's brutal. It's brutal what the Leafs did yesterday. So you're giving, you're living a D just shy of an F only because both of them are, it could have been worse contracts. They're both bad contracts. They're both things I wish I, you know, my team wouldn't have done. Could you not have kept Wayne Simmons for the same thing as Reeves? I don't want to do that either. No, I I, I, I know, but... <laughs> but at least that was 850. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's for a good guy, for a... Yeah, a he's if a you, good guy. If you, 
and I just wonder, and you look at Lucic going back to Boston. Yeah. And I, and I understand they're not the same player. He's also terrifying. Yes. Right? When it, when it comes right I down to it. I kind of wonder if he's the only reason we signed Reeves. Is. Just, <laughs> and you wonder, we go, what's happening here in terms of how, how, how effective will those players be? Not. Not effective is how they will be. Yeah. In, in, in a situation where, yeah, things are, are getting heated and I just. The Leafs had five guys walk out the door on Saturday between Kerfoot to Arizona, Hall to Detroit, uh, Shen and O'Reilly to Nashville. And I'm missing another one. What? But, hey, we re-upped David Kampf. We brought in Ryan Reeves and John Klingberg. Terrible, man. Terrible. Terrible. I, and, I love it. And <laughs> I, I know you do. And this was the one thing that I said to you the last time we talked about Kyle Dubas was Kyle Dubas wasn't necessarily, like he hadn't yet shown himself to be an elite GM, but he steered clear of terrible, right? Like yep. he did not kill you with long-term anchor and I guess neither of these are long-term, but this isn't what you need. And for living preached patience on, uh, which is exactly what I would have preached had I just had that day. I'm not, ex- I wasn't excited to bring back Hall or Kerfoot or whatever, Yeah, yeah. but you sit here now with a lot of holes and most of the big time guys are gone. Like there's been talk that the Leafs are still in on Bertuzzi and Domi. I don't want to do either of those. Oh, Domi was the other one. Yeah. Lots of talk. I don't want to do that. I, no, I, I don't I, know, man. I get that. Now, just just in in finishing here, yeah, you talked about long term and long term mistakes. How about your boy Lou? So, this has always been my thing, man, and you know this as well as it. do not commit to depth players for long term. Is seven years too much? Miles Wood in Colorado, <laughs> two point five million dollars for six years. Peering Vol, seven years. In, three million uh, in New York for $3 million. Scott Mayfield, who I like, $3.5 million for seven years. <laughs> what are you doing? Voice voice cracking kind of. Baffling ex- to me, man. Excitement. Lou might be dead in seven years. This, oh, is, this isn't, I might be fired and it will be someone. I will be deep in the cold ground. Before the peering ball contract expires. Killing people off on this show. <laughs> the outrage is... Uh, uh, he's, what, 82 years old? 80, I believe. Is it crazy to suggest in seven years he might be dead? I don't know. Lou looks pretty good, He man. does kind of look like he might walk through he, the door and punch me in the face. <laughs> he looks like he's been lacquered over quite, ni- <laughs> quite nicely. I, I have no idea. Long he, depth players for long term... Don't do it. You'll find that guy next year for a million and a half on the market. They're always out there. Yeah. Seven years at $3 million for well, peering. Vault. And, what and, the fuck? And any of those Now guys, he'll survive it because he's not, doesn't hit anyone. There's zero chance of peering Vault ever being injured ever. Right. Yep. The gazelle or whatever they call him, right? The, the giraffe. I don't know. Just getting, getting out of the way. Fuck. Fleeing the watering hole while. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, like to me, Brutal. when you said, as soon as you said long-term, I'm like, they signed, because they also signed Sorokin, I believe, for eight I'd years. I'd have done that. But still, but it's, yeah. when you're talking about eight for you, seven for you, seven for you, six for you. See, you're like, I'm looking at the Leafs going, you should talk to Scott Mayfield. See if he wants to come in for three, four years 
at a couple million bucks or whatever to lose like <laughs> no. job security right there, my friend. What do I need when I right can... to retirement age at yeah. three and a half million? I got 25 million reasons to stay here on the oh, island. Oh, the islanders are going to be brutal in a few years. I guess. That's okay, though. I don't mind that. No. But you are looking at with Columbus making the moves that they've made, there are certain moves teams like who are more ripe for falling yeah, out. What of, am I hearing about uh, Pajot maybe coming back to Ottawa? Well, that was in the, that was all that Debrinka talk, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I, he's overpaid. Yeah, uh, we said yes, it. Yes. We said it because that's a guy who'd be in our third line. Day I don't need one. to pay five million bucks for a third line guy. Yeah. Or for a, you know, in Toronto, a third pairing <laughs> defenseman. <laughs> yeah. Playing left wing with Ryan Reeves. Deflect, deflect. Hey, you come over here so I can punch you. <laughs> uh. If I ever get over there, <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for my shift and I'm going to run you. And even like his interview on TSN, as I, this continues to outrage, he's like, well, I just beat somebody up and the pressure's off. And you're like, no, <laughs> that's probably not how Toronto, I understand his person. I, I, we, we did this. I get it. I've made my point on But then Ryan it Reeves. doesn't lessen I'd the I'd rather have given that money to Christopher Reeves. He'd have been just as useful to us in two, three years. Skates as well. <laughs> that's it, Matt. <laughs> it's probably time to wind I this down. I think it's probably time, Matt. I think that's it. <laughs> Uh, our buddy Lever Sage is going to be here later this nice. week. Nice. First time since uh, the unpleasantness at TSN 1200 that he will speak somewhere other than uh, that. This is Wrestling Podcast. So stay tuned for that. And it's actually, man, been a huge week in the world of women's hockey. Oh, uh, yes, it has. And thank you for not asking me. Yeah, the uh, the PHF has been purchased by the uh, the people who are working with the uh, PWHPA. It's complicated. It is complicated. And so you and I aren't going to get into it. But 100%, uh, at that's true. some point over the next week or two, Shrides will be in here. She nice. will explain it. She will explain she it. She can take care of that. So lots of good stuff coming up on the podcast. We'll win, the- we'll win this one. Yeah, we won't, though. Uh, well, I feel like I've already won, Matt. Okay. I feel like I've won. We'll wrap this one up here. Hope you've all had a great Canada Day long weekend. I hope those of you who are enjoying the rest of it on a Monday get to continue doing that. For Rob, my name's Matt. We'll see you later in the week. See ya! What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?